Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad I'm here this morning. I'd rather be here than in jail. Amen? Yes. All right. If you have your Bibles, go to Philippians chapter 2. Just a word of... of uh, huh? Okay. All right. Uh, it's, that, it's that whole section over there. I don't know. It's, 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 all right. Um, on the food distribution, you know, we, we get what we can from the food banks. Uh, we have a gentleman that gets it from the food banks, and, and if you hear anything on the news, the food banks are in, are, are in great need, uh, and so uh, we give out what comes in. Uh, the, the, it's not a bad thing, but the, the, the truth of the matter is that almost everything that comes in is sugar. Uh, it's all snack food. Uh, this past week, we were giving out, uh, <laughs> oh gosh, uh, candy canes. We got boxes of stuff from CVS, and, it's, and they clear their shelves, and it's all stuff from Christmas. And so it was candy canes and chocolate bars and stuff like that. The only, the only food that was really any kind of, <laughs> wasn't sugar, was uh, we had these small individual boxes of Raisin Bran. That was it. The rest of it was all we had. We had, uh, oh gosh, uh, uh, cookies, two different kinds of cookies, um, three different kinds of cake bars. Um, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a lot of sugar. And, and you know, thankfully, especially for folks that have a, a number of kids that have to make lunches for them and they want snacks, stuff like that. That's everything they don't have to buy, that we can give them as a help to them. But it's, it's a lot nicer when we can at least put in a couple of cans of vegetables or a pound of spaghetti or just something that's, that's not quite all <laughs> sugar. And so, yeah, that's why we're asking folks to help us out. So it just, you know, it, it, we're not asking you to buy cases and cases of food. Just a couple of cans of peas or a couple of cans of green beans and put them on the table and we'll get that in so that at least, uh, whether it's soup or or box of macaroni or macaroni and cheese or, you know, stuff like that that's more a regular food that's a, a help to them. And uh, it works out well. But, yeah, we did one, almost 170, 168, I think, uh, this past week. And it was, uh, the sun was hot. <laughs> I, I don't have a whole lot of hair up there to protect my head, but, man, was my head sore. And I got in the shower that night because it was all sunburned. And uh, I know you don't care, but I did. Uh, but, uh, anyway, uh just uh, be in prayer for that ministry. That's that's gonna. I'm afraid that's gonna get more and more as more and more people get in needs like that to come in. So pray for us with that. Philippians chapter two, and we'll begin reading in verse number five. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, whenever you see that word terminology there, wherefore, find out what it's there for. What he's saying is because of the previously existing conditions that he gave us, in the previous verses before that, wherefore, because of that, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. Now the song says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. The Bible says in Proverbs 22 and verse number one, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. What's in a name? What's in a name? There are names down through history that elicit various feelings and various emotions uh, and memories or images. There are biblical names, Adam and Eve. You look at Adam and Eve and you have certain thoughts about that and certain ideas about that. Uh, Moses, I can see Charlton Heston dividing the Red Sea when I see Moses. Uh, you know, I don't know what Moses, who Moses looked like, but guaranteed he looked like Charlton Heston. Anyway, uh, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Samson. I think of Samson, great, big, huge, until you tie it in with Delilah. Real problem there. David and Goliath, interesting combo there. John the Baptist, Peter, Paul, Thomas. Go through life and eternity being known as Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Judas, the betrayer. What's in a name? We look at secular names. Nero, Caesar, Genghis Khan, Adolf Hitler, Benito Mussolini. And thank God such men as George Patton, Dwight D. Eisenhower. Not even mentioning athletes movie stars, rock stars, on and on and on we could go. There's so much involved in a name, so many feelings and mixed emotions, so many different responses. What is in a name? But this morning, we look at that one name that is above all names. His name is Jesus. We are here today in 2021 A.D. because of Jesus. That A.D. is not after death, folks. That's Latin for Anno Domini, in the year of our Lord. Now, they can make all the changes they want in our government and in our politics, but they're not going to have a hard time when they start changing that A.D. type of thing. All right, we are 2021 A.D., the name of Jesus, because there's something special about that name. In Luke chapter 1, we're going to do bouncing around here, so just stay with me. Some of you got electronic Bibles. You get there before I do. Some of you got cheater tabs. You get there before I do. But uh, I'll get there eventually. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 31. It says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And shall call his name Jesus. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. It was very specific. You will, Mary, call him Jesus. You're not going to call him Bill or Sam or Charlie or Joe or George. You're going to call him Jesus. Very, very specific. On Wednesday nights, we're doing some studying on typology in the tabernacle. In the tabernacle, the instructions for the tabernacle were given down to Moses. But they were very specific instructions. God said, I'm going to, you're going to build a, a tabernacle. I'm going to tell you exactly how to build it, exactly what to make it out of, and exactly what size I want it, and you will do it exactly the way that I tell you. He's telling Mary here, you're going to conceive, and his name shall be called Jesus. Now, volumes that could be written about that name, the volumes that have been written about that name, 
And even then, we know so little about him. Everything that we know about God is in this book. Everything that there is to know about God is not. Everything that we know about Jesus is in this book. Yet everything that we need to know about Jesus is not. In John chapter, oh, let me see. I had it written down here somewhere. There it is, John chapter 21. Let me get back. I'm going to write it by it. John chapter 21, verse 25, the last verse in the, in the Gospel of John. And the, and the writer here, John, says, And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Okay? So, but that which we have before us this morning, the precious word of God, reveals to us exactly what the Father wants us to know about that name, Jesus. Jesus. In Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1, Acts chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says there, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple to hour to pray, being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, and asked alms of them and entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter, then, then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but as I have I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's healing in the name. This was a certain man. That's what it says there in verse number two. This, this wasn't just an ordinary guy. This wasn't just a regular guy. This was a certain man. This was a particular man who was lame from birth. Little did he know when he woke up that morning that he would meet two men that had been with Jesus, that knew how to evoke the power and the healing in Jesus' name. And he gave him a command in verse number 6. He said, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And look at the result in verse number 7. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength, and he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, In my thinking, which is very, ba very basic, believe me when I tell you, there's a lot goes on in there that doesn't even make sense to me. Uh, but uh, in my thinking, somebody who's lame from birth that gets healed, you're going to have to teach them how to walk. Does that make sense? You know, but not when Jesus heals. Not when Jesus heals. He wasn't walking with a limp. He didn't say, get me a cane so I could walk and have my balance. He was leaping and walking without assistance at all. This was a guy that was barely able to move to begin with. No, when Jesus heals, you're healed. He was limping. He was leaping. <laughs> he was the bleh. He was leaping. 
He didn't have to learn how to walk. He just took off. You know what? There's something about that name. There's something about that name. Um, boy, I've, I have, have on occasion watched some of these quote-unquote healers on TV. Uh, let me help you out, folks. Find something else to watch. These guys are beautiful. You know? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Ernest, <laughs> Ernest Angley? What a toad. Man, I'm telling you. Know, I, saw him, I saw him heal a deaf kid one time. Brought a kid up, maybe 16, 17 years old, supposedly deaf as a nail. Couldn't hear anything. And he did one of these, stuck his fingers in his kid's ears. His kid's eyes almost popped out of his head. He didn't know what was going on. And, and, you know, he commanded the old deaf spirits to come out. Come out, I command you, come out. And he looked the kid in the face, and he said, say, baby. And he came back, bad, bad. Bless God he's been healed. Really? And for $14.95, I'll send you the book and tell you how I did it. Huh? Yeah, leave that stuff alone. You'd be a lot better off. Jesus heals, and when he heals, he heals completely. He heals totally. You know why? Because there's something about that name. Something about that name. Healing in Jesus' name is not regulated to the book of Acts or even just in the Bible. Okay? There's more to healing than physical. There's emotional healing. Sometimes people need emotional healing. Sometimes there's marriages and family that need healing. And if you get where Jesus can do some healing, he'll heal and he'll heal all the way. People have truly changed. Why? Because there's something about that name. There's healing in that name. Jesus can heal a broken heart. He can heal a broken home. He can heal a broken life. He can heal a broken nation. He can heal a broken world. Because there's something about that name. Also, we got this power in the name of Jesus. Go over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 uh, and verse number 13. So who hath delivered us? from the power of darkness and hath translated us unto the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood and even the forgiveness of sin, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him, not God, by him, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him, and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. There's power in that name. There's the power of creation in that name. He's not only created it, but by him all things consist. He holds it all together. If Jesus at any time decides to take his hand off of creation, it would totally cease to exist. He holds it all together. This power of his in creation. 
You know, the evolutionists have got this thing all confused. Jesus put it all, <laughs> Jesus made it all. Okay, he spoke ex nihilo, that means without any pre-existing conditions. He spoke it into existence. And if he could speak it into existence, he can just as easily speak it out of existence. They talk about Mother Nature, what they forget to deal with is Father God. But when you look at nature, you, you, you can't help but see the hand of Jesus in the creation of nature. In all of God's creation, all that he created, all the universe, all of our, in, on, on, that which runs on our own planet, all, all of God's creation, there's only one part of nature that says no to God, and that's man. We're the only ones. The animals don't say no. I was watching, you know, I just went through, <laughs> through this deep freeze in Texas, you know, and, and you know, I, I was reading my Bible in Hezekiah. There's no such book for those of you that don't know, but I just throw that out there. Hezekiah chapter 3, verse 14, it says, better thee than me. And that's all I could say about Texas, being thee than me. But they were doing a, a, a thing in there about, they had lakes that were frozen over, which they don't get that in Texas. But they had lakes that were frozen over. And they showed the alligators that had come up through the ice, and their snouts were sticking out through the ice. Now, some of you might not realize it, but alligators are not fish. They're reptiles. They have to come up and breathe. Now, they could stay in the bottom for a while, but not several days. <laughs> They've got to breathe. And they came up through the ice, and they were showing that, that once they got their, their, their snout through the ice, they were going into almost like a hibernation. Their whole systems were shutting way, way down, and all they were doing was staying there so that they would breathe. Now, my question to the evolutionist, how many millions of poor gators had to die before they figured that out? Think about it a minute. How many poor gators had to die before they find, hey, hey, you know what? Butch, I think we need to go up through the ice and try that. You go first. No, no, you, you come with me. Huh? Can you hear the conversation? You know? Or, 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 or who, who taught the robins to go south for the winter? Huh? How many hundreds of billions of robins had to die freezing in the winter before they decided, you know what, Agnes, we're going south next year. I'm sick of this cold. They are the original snowbird. And, and you know, those little red-breasted suckers, they all come to my yard. They're all over my yard. But, I, you know, I mean, who, look at the animal kingdom. Who taught the bears? Go to sleep, boys. Oh, come on, Sam, let's go to bed for the week. Well, let's go to bed for the season. You know, I, who, who taught the squirrels to store nuts? I got some of them around my house, too. And I've got one stupid oak tree in my front yard that will not stop dropping leaves. I've raked it once, I've mowed it three times, and it's still, I get up in the morning and it's still, I don't, somebody's dropping truckloads of leaves in my front yard. 
Who taught the trees to do that? Those of you from the, from the north, you know what leaves are. From the, I'm from the northeast. I know what leaves are. We had oak trees and maple trees and, and all those big leaf trees and trees and trees and trees and trees. But I'll tell you what, fall is very pretty. The leaves all change colors, stuff like that. That's all God's doing. Now they, now they, 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 they've come up with, here it is. Now let's get religious now. This is church. Theistic evolution. That's the term. Everything evolved, but that's how God planned it. Oh, really? Gee, my Bible says, and the morning and the evening were the first day of creation. And the morning and the evening was the second day of creation. So, oh, the, yeah, but that, that, those, 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 those weren't 24-hour days. Those could have been thousands and hundreds of thousands of years. So we planted trees, and we had 100,000 years of day, but they survived. Now they had 100,000 years of night, and they survived. Boy, you know, I got a much easier time believing that there's something about that name. There's something about that name. There's power to create. There's power to control. All things are in his control. He knows exactly what he's doing. Did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to him? He's never surprised. He's never shocked. He never sat there and said, boy, I didn't see that one coming. No, no, no. He has the power to move mountains. He has the power to alter the course of history. He has the power to do the little things as well as the big things. He controls it all. He controls the animal kingdom. He controls the nature. There's power in his name. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verse, uh, let's see, 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure thee, adjure you by Jesus to whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons, one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. That's the evil spirit talking. Jesus I know, and Paul I know. But who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled naked out of the house naked and were wounded. Notice verse 15. The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Jesus, I know. There's something about that name. Mark chapter 1. Oh, Mark chapter 1, where am I, here we are, okay, and uh, verse number 1, in the beginning of the gospel, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger unto thy, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. 
they went out unto him all the land of Judea and, the, and um, they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Jesus, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, and John was clothed in camel's hair with a girdle of skin uh, about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I, than I after me, the latches of whose shoe I am not worthy to stoop and unloose. And I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus of Nazareth uh, come, came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, saw the heavens open and a spirit like dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast and the angels ministering unto him. Now after that, Jesus was in prison. but uh, John was in prison, but Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel in the kingdom of God. Um, if we read on, uh, we'll find out that I was in the wrong chapter. And uh, that didn't make any sense to me. How could it possibly make sense to you? Uh, now listen, I'm real good. I could have made it fit. I'd, I'd have fit it in there one way or another. But uh, we, <laughs> God deliver us, please. Mark, let me try this again in Mark chapter 5, not Mark chapter 1. And I was reading along saying, this doesn't make sense to me at all. That's not what my notes are saying. I'm sorry. Uh, we're all human. Amen. And I'm more human than, mo than mostly, I'm afraid. All right. And they came over, here we go, unto the side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. Chapter 5, verse number 1. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been uh, often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and the tubes crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, the Most High, uh, Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he said, My, he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he, the spirit, besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was a, a nigh unto the, the mountains, a great herb, herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and, her, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and there were about 2,000, and they were choked in the sea, and they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and seen him that was possessed with the devil, and he had a, he, and that had the legion sitting in clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. The legion knew his name. The legion, who we know who you are. We know who you are. They knew that there was power in that name. They knew there was power to control in that name. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, it talks about that there's power to control evil. 
this power to bring down Satan's stronghold and mark it down, folks. One day he will. He will bring down Satan's stronghold. In Revelation uh, 19, get over there real quick. Maybe hopefully that's the right one, or if I go to the right one. Oh, boy. My cheering crowd over here on the right-hand side, why didn't you wave at me and say, that's the wrong one, that's the wrong... You know, from Wednesday night, I'm always on the wrong one. Why didn't you wave? That's it? That's the wrong one? You know, you let me go through the whole thing, all right? Okay, in Revelation 19... And verse number 11, it says here, And I saw a heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon it was called Faithful and True, and in, right, and in righteousness, and he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was given by God behind the armies which were in heaven. Verse 14, the heaven opened him uh, uh, upon white horses, uh, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should make uh, he should smite the nations and shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress and the fierceness of the wrath of almighty God. Uh, and, uh, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There's something special about that name. In Revelation 20 and verse number 7, it says, And when the thousand years are expired, this is after the tribulation period, this is after the millennial reign, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. He shall go out to deceive the nations which are at the four quarters of the earth. Gog and Magog gather them together to battle the number of whom is the sand of the sea. And they went up in the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints. And the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And, they, and, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall tor be tormented there uh, day and night forever and ever and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whom, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written, and the books, according to their works, and the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is is the great white throne judgment after the millennial reign the great white throne judgment understand that those that are at the great white throne judgment are condemned already if they're there they are doomed and who will the judge be the Lord Jesus Christ there's something about that name Bible says in Philippians 2, 9 and 10, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. This will be the final judgment. Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years and then he will judge. And this is not a judgment of guilt and innocence. This is not a judgment that Christians will be at. We may observe, but that's not our judgment. Our judgment is the judgment seat of Christ. That is a judgment of reward and awards, not salvation or not salvation. The judgment seat of Christ is for Christians. The great white throne judgment is for lost 
mankind. If they are there, they are condemned. There will be no debate. There will be no arguing. It is not judicial. It will be condemnation. No hope. No help. It's too late for them. There's power in that name. There's power to control. There's power to condemn. But wait. There's also power to convert. We had a family in our church when I pastored in Connecticut, uh, the Lassiters. Uh, I was talking in Sunday school about the, the, the West Virginia clans. Uh, people in West Virginia, uh, I'm from New England. My relatives were kin. We talk about the kinsman redeemer. And, and my, 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 my relatives are, are, are family relatives. They're, they're kin. But in West Virginia, they're, 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 they're clans. They're, that, that's the, the, how they make up. Their, their society is made up. They're clans. Uh, and, and this, this Lasseter family was, <laughs> was a clan. And uh, Granny ruled the roost. And boy, did she ever. She was about, I don't know, maybe 350 years old. And she walked with two canes. Two canes she walked with. And if she wanted to get your attention, she wouldn't hesitate to smack you with one of those canes and say, listen to me, boy. And you just learned to say, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Now, Granny, she didn't, she, she didn't coddle up too much to preachers. She didn't like church. She didn't like any of it. And she never came. Now, she had, she had a, a boyfriend. His name was Buddy. Buddy had cancer. And he was dying. And the, uh, the, the head of the Lasseter clan, Ray Lasseter, came to me. He's a member of our church. He said, Pastor, he said, would you please go and visit Buddy? They, they say he doesn't have much time left. And, and we'd like you to, to, to go visit him. And uh, he said he, he's, he, he probably won't even know you're there. He said they've got him on a, on a, uh, on a drip for, for, for painkiller. And he's just, he's in and out and mostly out. And, and even when he's in, he's not in. He's, he's, just, he's just not very clear thinking. And he, he just doesn't have much time left. Would you go visit him? And I said, well, you know, Ray, I said, I'd be happy to go visit him. I said, but you know, if Granny is there, it's going to be a problem. I said, she won't beat me to death with those canes as I'm trying to talk to Buddy about his salvation because she doesn't want to hear it. And I said, we've got to find a way to get Granny out of the room. So I can at least have 10 or 15 minutes with Buddy to talk to him, whether he's conscious or not. I said, well, I'll, I'll give it a try. And, and, and he said, well, he said well, well, I'll see what we can do. And, and, and we prayed about it. And we prayed fervently about it. And, and we prayed in Jesus' name. Lord, Buddy doesn't have much time. And he, he needs to get saved. And, and, but you've got to do something about Granny, Lord. And, and you know how she is, and, 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 we, and we pray. So come, I, I went to the hospital to visit, and Granny was there. And an orderly came walking by, <laughs> came walking by the room, and Granny spun around and took that cane and pointed it at him. She says, you young man, get me a wheelchair. I don't want to stand here. Get me a wheelchair. And he said, well, ma'am, he said, the, the, the wheelchairs are for patients. Whew. Man, Granny went ballistic. 
Out of the room she went. Canes are flying. I said, get me a wheelchair, and I mean a wheelchair. Tapping him in the back with a cane. I, this guy's trying to walk down the hallway. She's tapping him back. She's following him back. Get me a wheelchair. Get me a wheel. But you know what? She was out of the room. And I said, okay, Lord, you work that out. And I got over and I grabbed Buddy's hand. I said, Buddy, do you know who I am? And his eyes cleared just like that. And he looked at me and said, yeah, you're that preacher down here at that church where Ray goes to church. I said, yes, sir, I am. I said, Buddy, you're dying, aren't you? He said, yes, I am. I said, Buddy, you need to get saved. He said, yes, I do. And I had the opportunity to lead Buddy to the Lord in that hospital bed. And he no sooner prayed and asked the Lord to save him. And he drifted right back off into unconsciousness. And just about that time, <laughs> that orderly came pushing Granny in her wheelchair <laughs> back into the room. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> That's not made up. And I said, you know, there's something about that name. There's just something about that name, you know. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, it says, And you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the othermost parts of the earth. There's something about that name. We've got the power. We've got the power. There's power in that name. There's power in that name not only to create, there's power to control, there's also power to convert. There's power in the name to win a world to Christ. There's power in that name. Notice back in, in John chapter 14. Let me get over there. John chapter 14 and verse number 6. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Notice that. I'm going to send you the Holy Ghost and I'm going to send him in my name. If a person is to get saved, he must be saved by Jesus' name. Good works won't do it. Giving money to the church won't do it. Being born in a Christian home won't do it. Being born in a Christian home is not going to make you a Christian any more than being born in a garage is going to make you an automobile. It's just not going to work that way. It's an individual thing, and it's between you and God and God alone in Jesus' name. In Acts chapter 4, verse number 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he was made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of the builders, which has become the head of the corner. By Jesus' name, John chapter 3 and verse number 36, the Bible says there that you're going to get saved, going to get saved in Jesus' name, in verse number 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son of God shall not see life, but, but the wrath of God abideth on him. In 1 John chapter 5, let me get over there real quick. 
1 John chapter 5 and verse number 11. And this is the record that God had given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. Folks, it doesn't get any plainer or easier to understand that. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. That, that word there, that word know, is the Greek word gnosko, that you experientially may know. God wants you to know that you have eternal life. He doesn't want you to hope about it. He doesn't want you to guess about it. He doesn't want you to wish about it. He wants you to know about it. He wants you to experientially know that you have eternal life. There won't be one person in heaven who will deny the deity of Jesus. There won't be one person in heaven who will deny that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. There is power in the name of Jesus this morning. There's enough power in that name to save an entire world and yet makes it so simple that a child can understand it. Romans 10 and verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why? Because there's something special about that name. There's power in that name. There's salvation for you this morning in that name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name.